Moving to Live is a podcast about movement and exercise. We bring you interviews with professionals in the movement and exercise field. The goal is to provide information for other professionals and also amateur movement aficionados, people who understand that movement is part of what makes life complete. Some of the people we interview you will have heard of. They're well known in and outside of the movement and exercise profession. Others you may not have heard of, but they have a great deal of knowledge to share. Many people doing the best work spend their time working with people, not working on their social media presence. We're going to give you a chance to learn from some of these talented and knowledgeable individuals, and we're going to learn along with you. Moving to Live podcasts are going to be short. Each interview will be long enough to impart usable information, but short enough to be able to be consumed in a single bout, during your workout, commute, or even during dinner prep. We all like long-form interviews, but time is valuable. Moving to Live wants to give you the option to learn and be entertained without needing to commit 60 minutes at a time for an interview. Give Moving to Live a listen. Check out our sister podcast, FitLab PGH, which highlights people, businesses, events, and activities in the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area that make movement a priority. Moving to Live would love to hear from you. Want to connect with us or have an idea for somebody you think we ought to interview? Drop us an email, mov2liv at gmail.com, or connect with us on Instagram and Twitter, both underscore mov2liv. We're excited to bring you these interviews, and we think you'll enjoy each and every one that we bring you. Welcome back to another podcast episode. I'm the host, Ben Reuter. This is a dual podcast episode for Moving to Live and FitLab Pittsburgh, both of which have the ethos, movement is a lifestyle, not just an activity. FitLab PGH interviews people around the Pittsburgh area who make movement a priority, whether they're movers, people who are in the profession of making people move, or just have an interesting story about moving. Moving to Live tries to interview movement professionals to find out their story and also to find out how they do their jobs in the era of Corona-19, or excuse me, COVID-19, the coronavirus, this has thrown everybody in the movement field really for a loop. And as most of my good ideas occur, this, this occurred while I was out running with my dogs. I was practicing social distancing and I realized that with the upheaval in the fitness world of what do you do if you don't go to a gym or a facility or you don't have organized practices, I had interviewed a few people for my podcasts who were able to speak on this directly because they see people both virtually and in person. I am happy to announce that today I am joined by Mike Schultz of Highland Training. We interviewed Mike for both FitLab Pittsburgh and Moving to Live back in October of 2019. And I think Mike is going to have some interesting insights since he's been coaching and teaching people virtually probably since the age of dial-up internet for some people. So Mike thanks for, <laughs> taking, Mike, thanks for taking time to talk to, my, to me on the podcast today. Yeah, you're welcome, man. I always enjoy being on the podcast and uh, speaking about this stuff. Um, as uh, when I did start, I had dial-up internet and I was, uh, I think, uh, 2008, 2007, um, in that range. Uh, just when the, the iPhone was uh, becoming popular and getting big. And so, um, yeah. That's when it all kind of took off online. So. And of course, I'd always want everybody to go back and listen to my podcast episode with you because I think you had some great info talking about your background. But just to remind listeners or maybe people who haven't gone back, what is it exactly that you do with Highland Training? Well, um, we, I am uh, a, a small team of people um, that I uh, um, 
co-work with, um, we focus on athletic performance and that was the, the, the main goal. And, you know, way back in the day when I was trying to figure out how I was going to do this, um, you know, one of the ways to train, especially runners and cyclists, that's we mainly focus on cyclists. Um, and one of the best ways to do it is via online. And so, you know, you need a schedule and you need goals. And um, then, like I just mentioned, the invention of the iPhone and then Garmin uh, becoming big. And all of a sudden, um, now you can go run or ride your bike anywhere in the world and upload the files to the computer to look at. And then Strava came along and all these online tools um, then kind of like hone their practice and be, all become very cool. And they all work in slightly different ways. Um, but, you know, you start to say, okay, well, as a coach, I can view um, a workout of someone in California and I can, you know, I can see how far they ran. I can see how intense I can get their notes. I can call them on the phone. We can talk about it. And this makes better sense working together um, than actually showing up in person every day. So um, in, in a nutshell, that's what we do week by week is uh, communicate with all the athletes that we got, um, write schedules week by week. And uh, with the goal to gain strength, um, mainly on the bike. Uh, And I know from talking to you, uh, I guess, five or six months ago in October, you work with athletes, not just elite level athletes, but just somebody who has maybe the goal of, you know, I'd like to do a century or I'd like Mm -hmm. to do a grand fondo. So really across the spectrum from high level to people say, I just like to move. That's totally correct. And, um, yes, I, I, I got people uh, who may focus on, I try to get everyone to focus on at least one event or something to do every year, um, just as gives you a goal uh, to work towards, um, you know, outside of the general fitness aspect. But sure, I bring on people of a guy who just got into cycling, like in the past year, and, um, you know, was a weightlifter back in the day, I think did some trail running and took some time off and kids and all. And, and so he just got back into cycling and this is all brand new to him. And so it's pretty cool. I mean, so I get to apply, you know, and, and honestly from the beginners to the elites, I mean, they're all kind of focused on the same thing at times. It's just, uh, you know, it's how much duration they can put in each week or how much power they're putting out or how intense the workout is. So um, there are slight differences, but yes, I get to see it across the board. Um, and, uh, there's, there's commons of, um, amongst it all, um, and, uh, ways to gain strength and stuff. So. so I guess it would be correct to say on the one hand with your coaching in the coronavirus, your coaching really hasn't changed that much, but on the other hand, I suspect it has partially because of the cancellation of so many races and events and partially just with having athletes and people that you coach literally across the U S what's happening and what the concerns are it differs from area to area. So when was the first time with your coaching business that you first became aware? It's like, Hey, this might be something that's going to have a direct influence on either me or the athletes that I'm coaching. Uh, probably a few weeks ago. Um, and you know, I've been following the news every day and obviously I work online, so I'm online. I can pull up uh, the news and see what's going on. And, uh, you know, as, as everyone knows, it's been changing rapidly. Um, I think about, uh, you know, when they started shutting the schools down um, here in PA and, and went to uh, essential businesses, and I began to send messages to everyone of, uh, hey, here's some general rules, what I'm going for. Um, the first number one rule is, like, don't go out and 
and waste yourself on a ride. Um, don't lower your immune system and become susceptible to something like this. Um, and so the races are put off right now. So like, well, first of all, that, that was kind of like a reality that hit everyone uh, kind of slowly um, as races started to get canceled. And, and on my side, I just kind of had to sit back and wait and say, all right, what's going to happen here? Let's give it five days. And then we kind of seen everything canceled, you know, obviously February, March, um, or March and April, uh, May, most things are starting to cancel. June, the races are kind of holding out to see what's going on. Um, so, so at that point, we just kind of take a step back and say, all right, there's no more racing. Let's get over the fact that no one's going to be racing now. And let's focus on some uh, base building, you know, building, building the engine again. And, uh, and then we'll ramp up and kind of wait week by time to see what's going to happen, how it's going to play out. And I would imagine not to put a positive spin on, on COVID-19, but for some people <laughs> potentially not racing and having more time to build a base and build strength could potentially long-term over the years, make them better riders if I'm not incorrect. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's sad to see what's happening with the Olympics, for example, um, on that end, obviously that's the most elite end. Um, cause those guys are really, you know, they're trying to peak for something that's uh, months away and now it's canceled. Um, but for the majority of us, uh, especially, um, across the U S here, uh, focused on bike races and health and getting stronger and being competitive, uh, in age groups. Um, yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a, I hate to say put a positive spin on it, but it's kind of a, a, a blessing in a way because everyone just now gets to take a break um, from doing events and focusing on these things. And everyone's got to just chill out and either ride their bike or run alone. <laughs> and uh, so it's kind of put a spin, a different spin on everything. Um, but as with everyone, everyone's got a personal life. And, you know, it, I think it took a week or a week and a half um, figuring out jobs and kids and all this kind of stuff. So there was a little disruption there. We're, we're actually now just kind of people are just getting into the groove of, all right, I'm staying at home. I'm working out every day, you know, and uh, back into the swing of things. Uh, so. And I think it's great that you, you mentioned that there's a life outside of sports and outside of cycling for most of us, if we're not making our living at it. Uh, and I'm, I'm curious what the messages are that you're giving to your athletes. Because I know if you read on Facebook or Twitter, there are some amateur athletes who maybe are going off the deep end because their Ironman race has been canceled or postponed, or they can't run that spring marathon. And we're not talking about somebody who, you know, is going to the Olympics and this is a once in a lifetime. We're talking about somebody, and this isn't to downplay it because when I participate, this is what I get. You're getting a participation medal for completing that hundred mile race or whatever it is. What's the message you give to these people who are kind of almost ready to jump off the deep end because they can't do that activity that for some of them, at least I know in the case of Ironman triathlon, you maybe have been training for it and looking for it for almost a year or even over a year. Yeah. And that's big. Um, I fortunately didn't have anyone on my roster, uh, shooting for something, uh, super big. Like, um, you know, Ironmans are pretty big. You can, you can train, uh, for a long time for them. And that's, that's the letdown, the emotional, you know, as, as you know, there's an emotional part of exercise and competing and all this stuff. Um, and, uh, and there are letdowns and, and they suck. <laughs> um, but I've had a few, um, you know, uh, I have a few guys that are traveling overseas, for example, and it's, uh, 
they're going to do a bike tour. Um, it's not even a race and it's on the bubble. And, uh, you know, they're not bummed yet, but you know, my message to them is like, it's out of your control. I mean, it, it is what it is. And, um, it's life. I mean, like we, no one ever expected this to happen. So let's look at the positives. We're working out every day. We had this goal, right? Um, and so right now, just put it out of your mind. Like, um, we'll know more in a month or, or so to the people who are missing those big events, you know, you have to kind of take, uh, <laughs> you have to coddle, the, coddle those, uh, those guys and, and women, um, because it is, it's, uh, it's, a, it's an emotional drain. Um, uh, yeah, I, I saw one guy, he uh, traveled overseas and then the event got canceled. There's a lot of big events that got canceled. Um, Cape Epic over in Africa. Uh, that was a big one that got canceled. And, you know, um, I, I think I saw online, they're making the best of it and riding their bikes over there and stuff and then getting back. But to some extent, you, you can't really control it. So, um, you know. I know you, yeah. and I, you and I have talked uh, the first time we, we chatted in the podcast just about how much fun and how enjoyable it is to be outside in the fresh air and, and the things that you can see on the bike or on the run. Is this a message that uh, you think uh, some people, because we all know, and I'll just pick on bike racers, that sometimes they're just so focused. You know, they have to get right. that exact power measure. If, if they're going off heart rate, it has to be that. If they're doing hill repeats, if they're three seconds slow on a 10-minute climb, they're almost distraught. Is there a message right. you're sending to some of these athletes who maybe are missing out on events? It's like, hey, Think about why you got into cycling in the first place. You know, think about the enjoyment of actually going out and getting a workout without saying, I have to hit my heart rate goals or my power goals or, or the, the, the uh, time or the speed goals. Well, that's something that I try to teach everyone all the time, you know, outside of this COVID-19 stuff, um, because there's stress, there's stressful times. Like you said, everyone has a job, a life, kids. And, and, and right now, um, that's all stress, those jobs and uh, work is being canceled and, and so forth. And so, you know, whenever you have stress moments and beyond COVID-19, like this stuff, stress happens in life, you know, as you in every, I don't care on every um, end of the spectrum from the elite elite to the average, you know, um, um, you know, uh, age group athlete, everyone is going to deal with some kind of life stress and it's going to interfere with training. That's just the way it goes. And so what you do in those times is, you get outside and you smell the roses. That's the best thing to do. And that, that makes you, it does make you realize like why you got into cycling or why you got into running. And for me, I mean, it's always been the views. So, um, or the trees or the smell of the trees or the forest, uh, um, you know, getting out at early morning. I think it was uh, the other week I, I got out on my mountain bike early morning and you know, the sun was out and it was brisk and I'm just like, this is life. And this is why I love to do this. And so, that's my message. Uh, stressing out on it. I mean, again, if you're an Olympic athlete, then sure, there's going to be there's going to be a stress period, and you're going to have to get over that. And it, it is what it is. You're not going to put on the Olympics by yourself. So, um, you know, you need to at some point take a step back, refocus, and then and then press on. I think that's a great point to make. I know on FitLab Pittsburgh, we do movement tip and lifestyle hacks every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and t today our actual tip we're uh, recording this on the 25th of March, but today our tip was, you know, make sure exercise and movement is a use stress or a good stress and not a distress or a bad stress. And I think you've just reinforced that when I was thinking about that, making the video that 
you know, that's the important thing about moving on a regular basis because the Olympics are a goal, you know, maybe running a marathon is a goal, doing a hundred mile race or a multi-day mountain bike race. But at the end of the day, what you said, just being able to get out on the bike and spin and maybe that bird you see or those two deer running across the road make you realize, wow, this is really cool that I'm able to do this. Right. I mean, it, you know, it is always more fun when you're more fit. And uh, I think you'll agree uh, upon that sometimes, like, you know, cause you just, you know, and especially, the, and this is the bike racer mind coming out of me. It's like, you know, you're, you're riding along, but you do it a little bit faster and it's a little more fun. Um, but yeah, that, that, that is all my goal. This is why I do what I do. Cause I'm always focused on getting people just a little bit more fit. Um, and, and you feel that, you know, no matter, honestly, no matter if you're walking, hiking, running or, or whatever it is, um, it makes you feel good. So, but yeah. I'm curious with some of the athletes you have, I know from having worked with runners and bikers, there are some people who they're the solo guys or ladies, or they have one or two people that they always go out on their rides or runs with. And then there's other people who, you know, they just have a difficult time functioning unless they're in a group ride or running with a group of people. Have you had conversations with any of your athletes about this, either ones who always are alone or ones that you know are more prone and I, I don't mean that in a bad way, but they're more likely to exercise in large groups of people. And maybe right now that isn't the smartest thing to do. Yeah. Um, the majority of people that I have are solo riders or run runners. Um, uh, there's a few guys like uh, one guy up in Michigan who um, leads a, a weekly group ride um, and on Mondays and, and that was just canceled. So, you know, the advice is, is good pick one or two people and make sure that, you know, you guys are social distancing and, and go ride. I, I can't see an issue with that. Um, but uh, on the flip side of it, I had a guy out of, uh, I think the Boston area. Um, he's really intense. This guy's a scientist and he's got that mind, right? He just, uh, uh, he actually is in his glory right now because um, he's always training alone. And now he can, there's no cars on the road, <laughs> so you know <laughs> there's fewer people out around where he lives, and uh, you know he's got it all to himself. So he's like loving it. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so it's interesting. Um, my I, my main is everyone should be, and, and the first thing you're taught, like as a trainer or as a coach, is uh, personal safety. Like you're always looking out for people's safety first. That's the number one role. Um, then you know exercise is second. So when it comes to this COVID nineteen. Um, the scary thing is, uh, and uh, with any endurance athlete, respiratory infections are common. Um, uh, and so, especially when they're, you're pushing it and pushing it and pushing it and pushing it and pushing it, um, uh, you're, it's, uh, you're susceptible for, for an upper respiratory infection. And so, since this uh, COVID-19 attacks the lungs, uh, that's my main concern with the people who like to push it. Um, so I'm trying to send that message and, and say, you know, a solo ride, be, don't be wasting yourself or pushing it too hard. Um, cause there is a, a point to where there's too much exercise, right? So I know one of the great things about, uh, running, hiking, and even biking is it's pretty easy to do as far as, you know, with biking, you need a helmet, a, a bike, mm -hmm. and maybe a pair of shoes if you get more advanced, so, and we also were talking a little bit that, you know, you've been doing this sort of thing online since 2007, 2008. I know just in the fitness world as a whole, I guess in the Pittsburgh area, it was 
middle to late of last week where most of the fitness facilities said, okay, we're closing down or we're going to do streaming things or we're going to train people over the internet. And I just from following around and, and watching on social media, there are a fair number of people who this is completely novel to them. And I suspect what we'll find is there's some people who are going to thrive at it. There's some people who are going to go, God, I can't wait till I can get back in my facility or get back to talking to people face to face without a computer screen. And then there's some people who are just going to fall by the wayside because maybe not, that's the best way they work. For somebody who's worked in this virtual environment for over 10 years, what are some things that you could offer to other fitness professionals to keep in mind? I mean, obviously, you know, we're not asking you to give away your, your secret stories or your coaching or, or your secret <laughs> yeah. sauces, but there's, there are some tips that everybody, whether they're a cycling coach, a personal trainer, or even a physical therapist who's all of a sudden doing telemedicine can benefit from somebody like you who's been in the field in this realm for the last 10 plus years. Um, the number one thing is that, well, there are plenty of online uh, services now. I use Training Peaks. Um, I have since the beginning. I think they're great at it. Um, there are plenty of online platforms where you can post a schedule online for your clients to follow. My, my number one tip is, is that you can't rely just on that online schedule. You have to have human interaction with people. And so no matter what, like, you know, text messages, phone calls, um, if you're local, meet up and shake hands and do a workout every once in a while, um, that combined with the online presence is uh, the recipe for um, success in this field. Um, and so, um, and, and, you know, depending on how busy you are, what you got going on will depend on how much communication you can give. Um, you also need to get to know the people that you're working with, get to know your clients and how much communication they like. And, you know, I have some people that will, very few people call me, but some people call me, we talk it out. I have some on Facebook Messenger who like to send Facebook Messenger. I have others who like to send text messages. And so you figure that out. And however your clients like to communicate, you communicate that way with them. And consistently, when you, com when you combine that and you get to know people, that's the other part of it, um, you know, and you combine that with an online presence, and you make the online presence realistic each week for these people, then you have a recipe for success for coaching someone online. I think that's some great info. I know that you you mentioned uh, Strava and Training Peaks, and I know one of the really cool things for me is when I travel and I do a workout, and then I, I pull it up on my Strava, and I realize that there are various segments that other people have done. Do you think that is going to have something in the future, whether it's Strava or something else? And I know that there are... Uh, electric trainers or, or indoor trainers where you can compete against other people. Do you think there's going to be a pop-up of events or races, maybe with people doing certain segment lengths or racing electronically that's going to have an increased uh, factor on people who are missing out on their events? You know what? It's funny you say that because uh, there is a local group that just popped up and they invited me and they're doing exactly that. They're, they're going to start tracking, uh, you know, local Strava segments in time and they're going to, choose a segment each week and they're going to say, Hey, the segment this week is this hill over in this township. Um, you know, whoever gets the fastest time is the winner of uh, the weekly race on Strava. And I actually thought that was kind of cool. It's motivating, right? Um, you know, indoors we have Zwift and there are lots of competitions on Zwift, um, and lots of people. Um, but 
I can't see, you know, people like to ride outside or, or run outside. And uh, so, but I could see some maybe competitions uh, for Strava popping up. Uh, although once things settle down and events come back, you know, people are focused on events and experiences and that's kind of been driving the industry for a long time. So I think that that will always, uh, you know, take the top spot. I think what's interesting, I believe I, re I read a couple of weeks ago that the Ironman Corporation is going to hold virtual Ironman competitions online. And this was before <laughs> COVID-19. And just the idea, I think they're only doing half Ironman distance, but just the idea of, you know, biking 56 miles on the bike and running on a treadmill for half a marathon just strikes me as something that I almost think that I'd rather do a hundred mile ride outside with absolutely no food and water. <laughs> yeah. It's really hard indoors. And, you know, I see some of the best guys out there, you know, on average, I mean, there's, I've seen some five hour rides on a trainer. That's a long time. Um, you know, I see a lot of really good guys can play like two and a half, three hour days in on a trainer. Um, that's also a really long time. Uh, but, uh, outside of that 60 to 90 minutes is pretty much what most people can, can stand. Um, uh, that and, there's a whole nother subject there because with a trainer, it's, it's not completely different than outside, but the, you're, you're doing less movement, um, when you're on a, an indoor trainer. And so you're targeting your prime movers more than you would when you're outside. So it trains you slightly differently. So if you're not adjusted to that, um, you know, <laughs> lower back pain is a common problem when people go indoors to start training because they, tighten their quads, tighten hip flexors, you know, um, rotate that pelvic, pelvic girl and, uh, you got lower back pain. So, um, we get them to stretch that stuff out and it usually cures it. Uh, and so, uh, but yeah, I, I look, long rides on the trainers. It's just not fun. <laughs> no matter how you put it. We're talking with Mike Schultz of Highland training. He is a, uh, endurance coach and strength coach who works with people both virtually and face to face. I'm curious, it's probably a little soon to tell on this with where we are with uh, COVID-19. Do you think this is going to drive or has the potential to drive more people to maybe run outside more, cycle outside more, hike outside, and potentially uh, take on a coach because they realize, wow, this outdoor stuff is as fun or more fun than going to a fitness facility? I hope. I mean, in a way, um, uh, that, uh, yeah, the this um, COVID-19 thing drives people to realize that, hey, people do this virtually and this makes sense, right? And this is motivating. <laughs> um, that's the funniest thing is when people sign on with me, they don't really know uh, what to expect sometimes. And uh, what they find is that, um, well, I'm going to email them and, and text them every single week. So they better get their workouts in, right? Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a motivating experience. It's different than the gym. It's just as motivating. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's been, especially, uh, when you viewing things like Facebook and the ads, there's been a lot more ads popping up about virtual, uh, training now. And, uh, I think it's, uh, kind of put it in the spotlight a little bit, which is pretty cool. Uh, so, um, yeah. And I know you and I were chatting before we started recording. You mentioned you were out for a ride this weekend in North park in Pittsburgh, and it was pretty busy. I know a lot mm -hmm. of people are kind of uh, transitioning to outdoors or going outdoors because their facilities are not open for maybe people who are not familiar with uh, 
outdoor cycling or outdoor walking and hiking because they've done most of their movement and workouts in gym facilities. As somebody who does the majority of his work outside, two or three recommendations you'd offer either uh, as far as behaving in a polite manner or training tips just for people who say, you know, I'm doing this outside at North Park, but people keep yelling at me or I, or they're not yelling at me, but I want to make sure I'm not doing something to embarrass myself or get hurt. Right. I mean, the first training tip is, uh, well, it, yeah, they, they, but these go hand in hand is, uh, to be polite. So I was outside. We when we were riding on Sunday, we were kind of weaving through, um, people at times we were on a, a rail trail and, um, you know, we started weaving through some uh, people walking with their kids or strollers or whatever. And at, at that point you have to realize what's going on in the world, why everyone's outside. Um, so a, we tried to get off the rail trail to space it out and get, get out of the way. And B, we rode slow, um, and because that's polite. And, um, that's where you kind of like put the workout down and say, it's, you know, I don't need to be doing a hundred miles an hour through these people to get in my efforts. I don't need to be, no one needs to be that focused. Um, so, uh, you know, um, when people come, I say, as long as you, you're doing like 80% of the work. So like if you encounter that, then find or seek out a, maybe another trail that's not as busy or another road that's not as busy um, and make it work the best. Right. I think the international so, mountain biking association had it best with their phrase, share the trail. It's exactly it. And, you know, whether you're there a bike or a horse, especially, um, you know, but whatever it is, just move aside, give each other some room and uh, be polite. I think if, if, if you can do those things um, and uh, then, then everyone's going to have a good time. And it does seem like our local parks here, um, I think there at one time there were some head butting and, you know, trail usage issues, but I think that's kind of all resolved. Uh, you know, um, people just use the trail and have fun with it. So. Great info from Mike Schultz of Highland Training. He's been coaching virtually and face-to-face for well over 10 years. Mike, thanks for taking a few minutes to talk to FitLab Pittsburgh and Moving to Live about movement and virtual training in this era of COVID-19. Not a problem, man. And uh, yeah, on that note, hope everyone uh, stays safe and healthy and uh, hope everyone is able to to get outside a little bit. So um, hopefully we get past this soon, but uh, anytime. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of Moving to Live. Make sure you check out the show notes for contact information for our latest guest, as well as links about all the things we talked about. Intro and exit music is Traveling Light by Jason Shaw. You can subscribe to Moving to Live on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play, and be notified about new episode releases. Have any questions, comments, or suggestions? Drop us an email, mov2liv at gmail.com. Connect with us on Twitter or Instagram, both underscore mov2liv. Please tell your friends about Moving to Live. It's a go-to place for information for movement and exercise professionals and amateur aficionados who understand that movement is part of what makes your life complete. Until next week, keep on moving.